welcome to the Divorce Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Carolee Fontanelli, and I am a divorce lawyer and author and have been through divorce myself. I'm here to support you throughout your breakup journey. On this podcast, I will share with you my secrets and legal tips on how you can thrive through your separation in small six-minute increments. Don't do it alone. I have got you. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am your host, Carolee Fontanelli. I'm the director and I'm a lawyer here at Collective Family Law Group. We specialize in family law and we absolutely love helping our clients through their processes. And most of all, we love seeing them off into their new life beyond divorce and separation. So today we are back talking about property again and dividing property. And today specifically, we are getting stuck into step two of the four-step process. So this is all about contributions. If you have not yet listened to the two previous episodes, I recommend that you do that because the first one is going to give you an overview of the four-step process. The second one is all about step one, and now we are on to step two. So once step one of the four-step process has been completed and there's a known property pool following disclosure and valuations, this is when we can commence step two, right? The second step in determining each party's entitlements in a final property settlement is to assess the contributions that each party have made to the current property pool. This is regardless of whether it is a global approach, which remember is the more common approach or a piecemeal approach that is being adopted. You can find all of this in at section 79.4 of the Family Law Act for married parties and section 90SM4 of the Act for de facto parties. So there are three broad categories of contributions that are recognized by the family law courts according to the Act. So these are financial contributions, non-financial contributions, and parenting and homemaker contributions. So I'm going to walk you through these now. So financial contributions are the most commonly recognized category once people separate. These are direct and indirect financial contributions to the acquisition or maintenance of assets within the property pool. Areas to assess here are the employment and income history of each party, how respective incomes were applied to the way that you lived or applied to the asset pool, how funds were applied to the purchase of assets and how funds were applied upon the sale of assets. It's also things like inheritances, redundancy payments, personal injury awards, gifts, and windfalls. They're all to be considered as direct or indirect financial contributions. The next one is non-financial contributions. So these are direct or indirect contributions that are not financial contributions towards the acquisition or maintenance of assets within the property pool. So areas to assess here include things like renovations completed by both parties or one of them. So this could be if one of you in the relationship was very handy and you used your particular skills to say help with the renovations which saved the parties a lot of money for example so that's an example there 
um, these particular skills that a party had have enabled a greater financial contribution into the property pool. Now, the third one is parenting and homemaker contributions. Parenting and homemaker contributions are recognized under the Act on the basis that one party should not be disadvantaged upon separation if they've taken on a primary role as a carer to the children or and or homemaker role. So the principle here is that by one of the parties taking on that role, it has enabled the other party to maintain their employment, advance their career and increase their superannuation. Of the three contributions that I have just talked about, there are three stages that need to be assessed. The commencement of cohabitation, so that is when you first started living together, during the relationship, and post-separation. So post-separation is not when you stop living together, but rather when you separated. So some people do live separated under the same roof. So quickly talking about now the commencement of cohabitation. So when you first started living together, what did each party bring to the relationship? By asking this, the act allows recognition of situations where parties have entered the relationship on unequal financial platforms. Assessing what each party held when the parties started living together and analysing the trajectory of those assets throughout the relationship. This enables each party to be given due consideration for their position prior to the relationship. However, in long relationships, initial contributions can be offset by other contributions made or they erode over time, depending on how much that contribution is. For example, an initial contribution, someone has come in with $200,000 10 years ago and the other person came in with um, nothing, say. So that one person has come in with more, which has enabled the parties to use that as a foundation for the what their asset pool is today. So that's just a quick example. Now let's talk about during the relationship. It's important to assess what's occurred and what each party has done or not done in terms of making contributions to the relationship for the duration of the relationship. The time frame for this is from when the parties first started living together through until formal separation which might not be the same date as the parties ceased living together, as I explained before. So what contributions have happened during the relationship? A lot of the time here, the law says that it's an equal contribution, albeit different, as it's recognized that each party has contributed differently to the relationship. Now, and then there's post-separation contributions. So property settlements can take some time to resolve, right? especially if they're disputed. So for various reasons, there might be significant delays between formal separation and actually getting to a settlement. And because of that, sometimes there can be a party that specifically contributes greatly to the pool and the growth of the pool. If that occurs, then that can be assessed to be a contribution by one of the parties. Now again, it's a very quick, short podcast, six minutes, and I'm way over already. So I will keep discussing this further in other podcasts to come. 
But for now, we're going to move on in the next podcast to step three of the four-step process. If you are unsure about your circumstances in particular, please do go and get independent legal advice. This is very generalistic information for your own knowledge. And by no means is it independent legal advice. So please do go and seek independent legal advice if you are uncertain. Thank you for listening to the Divorce Collective podcast brought to you by collectivefamilylaw.com.au. If you got value from this week's episode, I would love it if you would hit subscribe and take a minute to leave a review. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook just by searching for Collective Family Law. And remember, until next time, you have got this.